0: The Hamburg Marathon, though often overshadowed by other spring marathons, should be in consideration for anyone looking to run fast and make a statement. It's where the marathon world record holder, Elliot Kipchoge, made his debut back in 2013. Canadian Thomas Toth qualified for the World Championships on that course a couple years ago, and it's often listed as one of the fastest races in the world. Just yesterday, it was announced that marathon veteran, and all-time third fastest Canadian, Reid Coolsat, and the 2017 Canadian Marathon champion, Trevor Hofbauer, would both be running the 2019 edition of the event. Reid, coming off a tough couple of years that saw injuries and results he wants to see bested, will be taking on the race coming down from an extended altitude stay where he brought the whole family. And Trevor will be taking his second shot at the marathon after a very quiet 2018. Lots to see here. We've got them both on the line this week, and what you're about to hear is some candid chat about motives, mentors, and just about everything you need to know about these two runners. At The Terminal Mile is where you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, a tracky radio production. All right, so there's, uh, there's, I guess, a pretty big announcement to be, to be made a little bit uh, later on in this interview, but I think a good place to start, uh, and we'll start with you, Reed, and then we'll, we'll move to Trevor, is where in the world are you right now?
1: Well, I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Um, got here almost three weeks ago and, and enjoying the training so far.
0: A little bit of a trip to, to altitude, I guess.
1: Yeah, we, uh, my whole family drove out here. Um, stopped in Michigan for a few days at my parents and then we continued to drive about six or seven hours a day for three days Um, and it was quite manageable we never drove before like noon so I would get up do my run kids would play once they got tired then we'd uh, get in the car and you know kind of spend the second half of each day driving and um, it was just slowly from Idaho across Nebraska up to Colorado got higher and higher and higher and yeah, we're above uh, 1,600 meters now.
0: <laughs> what about you, Trevor? Where are you right now?
2: I'm in Calgary, uh, just in the living room. So I was in Vancouver for a week, and I uh, was living in Evan's place. He just moved out there uh, not too long ago, so I checked out the scene there, and then went to Arizona for a week and lived out of a minivan uh, and just kind of toured around. And then next week I'm going down to Florida and then up to New York and – heading back home so kind of all over the map right now but right now just calgary
0: oh man well that there's a whole bunch of questions to be to be had out of that um the the minivan were you comfortable in there like what, what was the setup in there
2: oh yeah uh so i went down there with my partner and uh we just bought ourselves an air mattress and threw it into the back of the minivan took out the seats um and just kind of like lived out there so um some mornings uh we would just get up and she would head out for a run and i would head out for a run and just go down country roads or um go down hikes and it was comfortable we didn't hate each other after the trip either so it was double win right there
0: Fair enough fair enough so you guys you guys are traveling all over the place and um, you know, you know you're making some some pretty interesting stops and stuff but one of those very interesting stops is having April twenty eighth 2019 um Trevor I guess I'll, I'll let you take the lead on this what are you doing on that day
2: uh, we're going to Hamburg for the marathon so um, looking forward to it it's in Germany so um my family tree comes from Austria, so it's kind of that's one of the reasons why I'm going is it's just it's kind of like home, but I don't really celebrate my Austrian roots that much. So uh, I think there might be I might win some fans over just by having a nice Austrian and German back uh, German last name. So see what happens. But Hamburg's plan.
0: What was the the big pull factor for you Reed? I, I know in the past people have gone there for a fast marathon and that sort of stuff was was that kind of what you were thinking when uh, you agreed to go?
1: Yeah, um, you know I, I looked at a whole bunch of races and I like the timing of a late April race versus early April um, just with when we were going to come to Colorado. Uh, so I didn't want to kind of want to get the drive out of the way with early on in the like earlier in the build and then you know looking at a race like london um the the second group there is is trying to go under 210 i think that's it's going to be paced like 208 209 and that just did not seem <laughs> like did, that didn't sound uh, exactly what i was looking for um and so i was i was kind of looking for you know uh you know a bit more conservative of, of a race plan uh, especially coming off of like an injury year, and then last year was a mediocre year. Um, I'm I'm not about to throw myself in a 64 minute open opening half from for, for a marathon. So Hamburg, uh, I, I've heard the course is good. Um, I've had good races in Germany before, and uh, so yeah, seemed like seemed like the best option.
0: You know, it's it's been see a lot of what I know Hamburg for is is what I've heard from from Thomas Toth and. What he described it as was like, I think he saw like all four seasons in the space of one race when he, when he ran in Hamburg, uh, Trevor, I think you probably, probably talk with, uh, with Thomas, uh, probably the most out of all of us, but, uh, you know, was that kind of in the back of your mind when you decide to, to go to Hamburg? Uh,
2: not really. I just saw that based off of previous year's results, there's a good group of guys that go under 220 and then um just in discussions with freed uh he was thinking about hamburg as well and uh last year i wanted to do Prague, and london was a little bit challenging to try and get into um and hamburg just kind of like it fit the mold and just felt right and having Reed out there as well got a couple canadians in the mix um yeah i haven't talked to thomas a lot about hamburg um but i do know that he did have like hail in his race with winds and then it was, like, pretty warm towards the end or the beginning or somewhere in that mix. Um, But I'm just hoping for a nice day where he can run fast.
0: You know, Reid, you were talking uh, about you know, some, some times that you're thinking of in, in Hamburg or sorry, in London and, and how something might be a little bit too hot for you, uh, you know, coming off of, off of Scotia last year, which, uh, you know, I know you weren't, you know, super happy with, with how that race turned out, but you know, the, the fact that you're at altitude right now means, means that you are very serious, uh, and that, that you do have some plans for Hamburg. What, what, what are you thinking time-wise as far as, uh, as Hamburg goes?
1: Oh yeah, that's a good question and I, I probably won't know um I probably won't know that for another month or so mm-hmm. um so training has gone all right so far, but there's nothing in training that points to uh like you know running even to twelve or two thirteen um but that that is my ultimate goal is to you know be around the two thirteen um somewhere around there, hopefully dip under um but then you know that's of course if my training progresses the way I want it to. Um, so yeah, I got, I just got to, you know, I'm kind of adapting to the altitude now in my first three weeks. And then, um, you know, we're like eight and a half weeks out. So, you know, kind of like six weeks out, five weeks out, four weeks, those are like some of like the, the bigger workouts and I'll I'll have a a better idea of kind of what I can handle.
0: Well, what about you, Trevor?
2: Uh, yeah, I think two thirteen is a nice number to shoot for. Uh, It's something I've had in the back of my mind for the last little bit, and things have started to get a little bit more consistent over the last four weeks, so um, depending on how things go over the next, I think we're like nine weeks out right now from the race, depending on how things go over the next little while, um, I think that it is a realistic goal to shoot for, but um, we'll just see what happens on the day, because you can talk about it all you want, but you have to do it at the end of it, and whatever you say beforehand doesn't matter that much.
0: You know, 213 is uh, is no doubt based on, on some workouts that you've done and, and that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I can't help but think when I hear that, you know, 213 is kind of the, the gateway to the next level from where you were. I mean, you know, if you were to run the time that, that you've run before... Then you know, obviously, people would see that, and that would be very good and stuff. But two thirteen would kind of put you in the next level. Is is that something that, that you're thinking about as well when you when you kind of think about that time?
2: Not too much. Um, i just focused on myself and what I believe I can physically do. And uh, seeing Tristan fund run two fifteen in Houston was uh, pretty inspiring and motivating. Just because I don't think. Reed might know better than me, but I don't think anybody has gone under 218, like, outside of the crop of Dylan, Reed, Eric, and Rob Watson, and maybe Kip Kangogo. I don't think anybody has gone under 218 over the last, like, two or three years. So Tristan being the first guy in a while is really nice to see.
0: You know, I'm glad that you brought up uh, Tristan, and you know, it makes me think of of Reed's last answer as well too. And that he he says what he took from from his time, you know, with Speed River and and seeing Eric and seeing Reed is is you know is is patience and no know not knowing not to you know, um, you know, knowing where you're at closer to the race and not you know. Writing off a, off a workout as a failure just because you did it early in the season and you're not quite to a certain level. I'm hearing that from from a lot of guys that they that they've gotten a lot of advice from from you specifically. Reed. Um I I think it, it's it's a really good thing that that you're doing that. But you know, I'm I'm kind of wondering who who played that role for you when when you're coming up in in the marathon. Did you turn to any existing marathoners, any past marathoners, uh, to get advice from?
1: Yeah, you know, it was it was tough in in my era, because um, there wasn't there wasn't like a few people like just a little bit older that had run considerably faster. Um, lucky, luckily enough, um, uh, like I spoke to John Brown quite a bit. Um, uh, in two thousand nine, he was going to run Worlds with us, um, but he got sick. But still, like, kind of came on a conference call and, and and talked with Dylan and myself and Andrew Smith and Tara. And Sylvia Ruger, I see her around every once in a while, and she's a huge inspiration. Um, just just the way she went about her career and and what she accomplished, and especially in the era that she did it. Um, yeah, so I, I would say Sylvia Sylvia Ruger, um, John Brown, and um, you know the, the few times I would see uh, Bruce Deacon, um, he had he had good advice for me uh, here and there. Um, and uh, oh, there's one more person. To, I know I should be saying right now. Um oh, I, I met Jerome Drayton um uh once. Mm. Um and and so I had a great conversation with him, but um, you know, he, he doesn't really come around much, so you, you know, you don't you don't hear or see see him. But yeah, I mean like the the guys running like two eleven, two twelve before me were, you know, Peter Fonseca and Peter Marr, Dave Edge and I think Peter Maher's like in Ireland and Dave Edge is Uh, I think in California, uh, and i see Pete, Pete Fonseca, um, you know, he'd come around Scotiabank every once in a while, but usually just like quick talks. And, um, so when I started marathoning, like, you know, Dylan and Dylan was doing it and Danny Kasap and, um, you know, Andrew Smith and Matt McInnis and stuff. But like, you know, everybody in Canada thought, you know, two fifteen was really fast and, you know, like Eric and I thought, you know, 218 is a great time. And so I started looking more towards guys in the in the States who I could relate with and who had similar track times than me um, and, and kind of saw what they were doing. And, you know, guys like Alan Culpepper running 209. And, you know, even, uh, you know, I, I'd been competitive with Ryan Hall, um, you know, over 5K, and then he goes and runs 206. So I'm like, well, you know. Maybe I can get down to two nine two ten, you know, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I had to kind of look elsewhere just because there wasn't a lot of Canadians just a little bit older than me who had who had kind of broken through.
0: What about you, Trevor? I, I mean, like you spent quite a bit of time uh, in in Speed River as well too, uh, you know, with with Eric and Reed and you know, there's there was quite a bit of marathoning expertise there. Was is there anything you know specifically that comes to mind that that you took away from from your time in Guelph? Uh,
2: a lot of it comes, yeah. A lot of it does come from Gilly. Um, he spent a lot of time with me when I first moved there, and he would take me out on easy runs. And uh, it was kind of a weird time period when I was there because Gilly was running well, and Reed was dealing with his injuries, so uh, there was just There wasn't a lot of time that I was able to spend with Reed, and he was in Hamilton, too. Um, But then towards my last couple months, then Reed and I, we'd meet up for runs, and uh, we kind of got on the same wavelength there. But with Gilly, um, it was just being patient and calm. He's just, that's who he is. He is patient and calm, and when it comes to his runs, um, his easy runs are stupidly slow, and they felt like walks, but (laughs) they serve a purpose. And it doesn't work for some people, but, um, I was able to see why he was running the way he was. And that kind of influenced me in my ways right now. And then even you pop onto Reed's and he's not throwing down like 345 minute per kilometer based on his easy runs. He's just kind of going based off of feel or trying to recover. So, um, that was the biggest thing that I drew away from speed river and a couple of the main marathoners there
0: you know, you, you moved back to Calgary and I think that spawns a pretty good question. And, and who are you training with now? uh, Now that you're back in, in Calgary.
2: So I'm uh, mainly solo. Um, I am meeting up every, well, every Sunday I meet up with the Bow Valley Harriers. It's kind of like our underground running group. Hmm. Um, So Jeremy Deer is a part of that and he owns strides running store. And we have a lot of other influential guys around the city that meet up. So we, depending on the day we have like between 10 and 25 guys just meet up for a nice 30 kilometer long run. And um, everybody brings different ideas to the table. Cause we have some lawyers in there. We have um, a CEO of a charity in there. We have a couple guys that work uh, pharmaceutical and medical. Um, and then we have some project managers. So it's just like, it's a huge array of guys that just enjoy the sport. So that's the main group I'm with. And then I've joined the Calgary Spartans, which is a, that, that group is known and has been around for a long time. Like Lisa Harvey trained with them. Same with Jeremy Deer. Um, I forget who else in Calgary has, but it's well known. So I'm with them over the winter here and throughout the summer, we'll be meeting up for track workouts at Bill and & Goble, and uh, probably at Glenmore Track as well. So kind of a mix bag there but most of my runs 90 percent of them are solo by myself
0: uh you know reed i, I see on your strava when you're back in hamilton you know sometimes you make the trip to to guelph sometimes some of the guelph guys come down to down to hamilton but you're kind of in the same boat where you do a lot of training by yourself but you know when, when you're down in boulder i would have to think that there is a ton of people to to run with or at least a lot of people out running and, and that sort of stuff what's what's your training situation like when you when you're at altitude right now
1: yeah, I mean, I can't. I can't believe how many runners, triathletes, cyclists are, are here in uh, in Boulder. Um, I think it was like the third morning we were here. Um, Marie and the kids were going on a hike, so we just you know parked at some random parking lot. I got out, and I like see some guys doing strides, getting ready for a workout, and I recognize the coach. It's Lee Troop. He's like a sub two ten Australian uh, marathoner um, in his day, and. I went over to you know said hi to him. I've met him before, and he was like, yeah, you know you can you know j- jump in our group or whatever and I went on my run and uh like two k later, I see Kathy Butler, and she's coaching a group of people um and yeah so there's there's a lot of uh a lot of a lot of groups, and later on that run, I saw the roots running group, like Noah is part of mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I mean it's just unreal, and I've been actually hooking up with the Boulder Harriers, that's Steve Jones's group. Hmm. Um, so yeah the, today I did a fartlet workout with them um and uh we just did some three minutes. and you know there's a couple guys ahead of me like Tyler McCannless. he's running 212 for the marathon and a couple other guys doing um similar stuff and you know there's Steve Jones right beside me on the bike um I'm like, man, this is pretty cool he's a 207 <laughs> guy you know like um yeah so and he, he he's been great he's just you know he's' He's, he's letting me jump in um, uh, when it fits my program and, and, and just run through guys and um, yeah I'll, I'll try to try to recruit some people to, to help me do some of the longer stuff um, and then uh, we'll see how, we'll see how that goes but yeah so far like the running community here has been great and um, you know there's a couple of the other groups I, I guess are a bit more private um, you know that's cool and but yeah there's still plenty of people to run with here.
0: Oh man, I, I'm glad that you brought up uh, that you brought up Steve Jones, and this kind of kind of leads into a, a, a question that I have. What I, what I like to do before workouts and stuff is, is sometimes you know if I'm not feeling super into it, I'll go and check out some some good YouTube clips. But like a go to is I think it's the '84 Chicago Marathon that that Steve Jones ran and won, and like. Just watching him in the last couple kilometers, I suggest everyone you know goes and checks this out. He just looks spent because he he goes out so fast, but just you know brings it home, and uh, it's you know the guy is just tough as nails. Um, you know, I guess we'll we'll start with you, Trevor. Is is there any you know race material that you like to watch on on YouTube? You know, help help you get fired up. <laughs>
2: man, I, I don't watch any races. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I never watch any of those videos. Uh, just to get fired up, I'll probably just have a playlist on my iPod that I plug in and uh, go from there. But yeah, I don't really have any go-to videos. Oh, I would watch like Vince Carter's Top 100 dunks. <laughs> that video is incredible it just kind of like takes my mind off of running but it's just like oh man his dunks were amazing so if
1: anything it would be that but not a whole lot
0: oh man what about you read
1: um yeah i don't i don't go to them like that often but there's a couple that stick out of my mind but for sure the 2009 world championships 10,000 meter final um to versus bichelli so Bekele, you know world record holder you know a 10k Tedesi at the half marathon and Tedesi broke Bekele off 2 years before that at a world cross and um yeah Tedesi just tried to break him off again and uh you know they're just just going at it like and they just both look really smooth and um just like both committed and uh yeah I, I think that's a uh, that's one that sticks out also like um some of the some of the Tokyo marathon um you know the past few years you can watch those and just like the last few k watching watching some of these guys just finish as strong as the, as they do um you know is pretty cool to watch but uh yeah I, I i don't i don't don't watch too much but um yeah definitely and i, I think i did see that steve jones one mm. is it the one where he went out in 61 minutes
0: yeah that's the one yeah
1: yeah another cool one um actually steve jones kind of brought up was when peter marr from canada was leading um uh, the world champs marathon i think it was like 87 or 89 or something like that but and i think he led like through 30k or something like that and i knew the results uh, you know obviously watching the rate i think i watched it a few years ago but like i'm, I'm you know you're watching this thing and you're like is he gonna hold on for the win like <laughs> you know like he's that far ahead like you even though you know the results you kind of like watching this youtube video from 20 plus years ago and you're like does he do it does he do it you know like it's that convincing it's it's pretty cool
0: you know, I was, uh, I was talking to, uh, to Dylan Mike's at, uh, at cross country nationals this year and, and he kind of brought up the fact that it's, uh, it's pretty difficult to now that you have kids to, to kind of pack up, you know, everything and, and head down and do an altitude training camp. Uh, it's, it's funny that he said that because that's, that's exactly what you're doing. Um, how is, you know, how have the dynamics changed and, and that sort of stuff when, when planning like an altitude trip with, uh, with, uh, with the family now?
1: Yeah, so, like, you know, gone are the days where I'm going to just take off to Kenya, you know, for five or six weeks. Um, and I I, yeah, um, I know, you know, altitude works for me. Um, we're lucky right now that Marie's on a mat leave. Um, Elodie's nine months old right now. And, you know, with Canada's new rule, we get, uh, you know, she's she's taking advantage of it. She was taking a year and a half. Um, so this it's kind of like, a, you know, a, a time in our lives, like we, we won't be able to have this kind of freedom again. You know, Louis just in daycare. He's not in school yet, so he's he's good to just, you know, get up and go to. Um, and, yeah, like, just you know, the, the timing worked, and, um yeah, we got lucky with a, a good place to stay here. Uh, I kind of reached out to a few friends, and just happened that uh, my friend uh, has family that had a vacant house that uh, they could rent fairly cheap. So um, everything just kind of worked out, and the drive really wasn't that bad, like I said before, and... You know, we'll stay here for a long time to make that, to make the drive worth it. And then I won't, like, we won't drive home till after the marathon. And, uh, yeah, so the drive home will be, like, you know, kind of on my downtime. And I won't be worrying about getting training and anyways.
0: Oh, yeah. You said you had a nice place to stay. I was going to ask you if uh, if Trevor let, uh, let you use his minivan or something, you know, if you, know, <laughs> if you had lots of space down there because of that.
1: Oh, well, we have a minivan down here, but uh, I'm not sleeping in it. <laughs>
0: Mm. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you know, Trevor, you just put a, a blog on it all that long ago. It kind of details uh, the last part of uh, you know your 2018 and, and the beginning part of your your 2019. Um, you know, in, in 2018, you kind of you kind of you disappeared. You, you flew under the radar and that sort of stuff. And you know, a lot of that was was due to injuries and sickness and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and know, a wildfire. Tra- yeah, and and a wildfire. <laughs> So, so yeah. some of those things you can you can help and some of those things you can you can hurt a lot and some some of those things I guess are completely out of your control. You know talking with CPT last week um, he feels that he's like he's he's really matured uh, over the years as far as how he deals with injuries. How would you say you know what's your strategy to to dealing with injuries at this point? Like how do you make sure that you exit out the other side with as much fitness as possible and you know. Few lingering issues.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, thankfully, I haven't been like I haven't been significantly hurt too often. Like I had a broken tibia a, free, a few years ago, and um, did have a little stress reaction in my fibula. But outside of that, it's just kind of like little niggles here and there. But for the most part, when those do occur. I just focus on getting as strong as possible in the moment and making sure that that injury, specific injury, never rises again. And that's by cross-training my butt off and stretching and just like doing those little things really, really well and putting a lot of attention and detail to it to make sure that the future is going to be better. And when I do get hurt, I honestly never worry about fitness because I'm accepting that my fitness is going to be lost And if I just try and struggle through the pool or struggle on a bike, then I think I'm just going to do more harm to myself mentally than um, what could be. So actually, when I do get hurt, my main priority is to lose fitness, to put on a little bit of weight, to put on muscle mass. And then when I do get back into training, yeah, it's going to feel like crap. And I'm not going to be satisfied with it off the start. But eventually, you start to see your body weight come down and You start to see your paces pick up and you start to get into a groove again and it just makes the process, uh, it makes you really trust the process and appreciate every moment that you have. So that's kind of how I approach injury.
0: Reed, you've you've dealt with, uh, you know, quite a few injuries, pretty well publicized uh, injuries over the years as well too. Um, I would have to think that you have recovery almost down to a a science now. Um, You know, what's... What's your approach to the whole healing and, and making sure that you get back as healthy as possible?
1: Yeah, I mean you, you can you can go out of two ways, and like Trevor's way is I think probably the best way as far as like you know getting getting healthy as quick as possible. I think some people they probably cross train too hard that you know it prevents their body from you know healing as fast as it could. Um, you know, having said that, like there's just some injuries that you know, like once you're, once you realize what it is and you're you're not going to do more damage to it, like, you know, mentally it's sometimes it is better to just get on the bike, get in the pool or the elliptical or whatever. And like, you know, just get those endorphins running, like get, you know, feel feel like you're making progress fitness wise. Um, And I know like my last, my last big injury in 2017 with my foot, I didn't do anything for two months. I just wanted to let my body heal. And then I slowly like, you know, started doing elliptical, started doing the pool running, and then I started running again. But that didn't really take. And at that point, I was I was just sick of pool running and elliptical. I wasn't going to do it anymore. Um, and that's when I started road biking. And you know, it, it's it's not as maybe as as specific as you know getting the elliptical, but I really enjoyed it. So, you know, if you if you really enjoy cross training, then it's that. I mean, that's that's great. Um, and I was able to do that. So cross country skiing. And cycling, I think, are like the two avenues I actually like to do. And then the other ones are kind of just like, you know, yeah. I can't, like once it's done, I I feel good. I don't really like the the actual activity of ellipticling. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you should get yourself a little elliptico. You could be like meb. <laughs> you know what? I, I I think it's a great idea if you're gonna if you know if you if that's the you know, device you want to use for cross training to be outdoors versus indoors um, but at the same time you, you gotta look like that <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be on one of those machines in public so yeah yeah there's a bit of you know it goes either way
0: <laughs> oh man you definitely want to find a very very deserted road if you're gonna if you're gonna try try that stuff uh, on there oh man it just looks it looks ridiculous. Not that we're trying to alienate anyone who's listening who uses one of those, but you probably look like a dork. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it makes so much sense to do it more outdoors versus in a gym staring at people lifting lots of weights and grunting.
0: <laughs> so like when you when you're in Hamilton, you you don't get to you don't get out to Guelph all that much read, but um just over the past couple of weeks and, and over the past couple of months it seems like um it seems like Speed River's really taking off. Like you know, we've seen a lot of really great uh women's performances, but you know, also Mike Tate's there now and, and Connor Black did some fairly impressive things uh last year. What's uh what's the what's the mood and feeling like uh, you know, around home base in, in Guelph right now. Have have you checked in at all since then?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Jenna Westerway is like one fifty nine. That's like it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always been like you know good performances in Guelph. Um, you know, the coaching program there and and just the culture. It's you know, it's it's a great place to train. And um, yeah, without you know without Eric being there um, and somebody else training for the marathon, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't get there as much. You know, it'd be more like, hey, is Mike doing some sort of you know Mike Tate? If he's doing some sort of like fartlek, you know, I, I I'd go up and you know, you know, you know, match up with him, um, you know, over the fall and winter, but, um, yeah, I don't get there as much as I, as I I would like to right now. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's, there's been good, good results there for, I don't know, for quite a, quite a long time. So I, I guess as much as like, you know, 159, um, is like a blazing time, um, and first, first woman under two. It like it doesn't really surprise me that you know there's always a group of people just like really excelling and 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 you know crushing it.
0: All right, road to the to the Hamburg Marathon. Uh, there's likely to be some tune-up races along the way. We'll start with with you, Trevor. Do you have anything on your calendar between now and Hamburg?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to go down to Florida for the USATF 15 Kilometer Championships. I think that takes place on. March 9th, or something like that. I can just pull that up. Um, yeah, that takes place March 9th. And then on March 17th, I'm in for the New York City Half Marathon. And then April 14th, I'll go to Vancouver for the Sunrun 10K. And then Hamburg's just two or, yeah, it's
1: two weeks after that. So that's what I got on the go.
0: How about you, uh,
1: Um No races planned right now. Um, However, I I do want to do something, so um, I'm looking at a race, hopefully, like, you know, March 17th or March 23rd, um, one of those weekends that I don't need to travel too far from for, so uh, either a half marathon or a 10-miler would do, Um, and, yeah, with, you know, New York City half being March 17th, uh you know there's not a ton of other like kind of big big races but uh so yeah i'm just looking for a low-key low-key you know uh at sea level kind of way to you know just uh you know rust buster kind of thing
0: you know with uh with the number of really great performances i'm all I'm hearing right now is, is that there are a bunch of other Canadians who, uh, who have some, some pretty big performances, some debuts happening in the, in the marathon this spring uh, as well, as well some some people taking a couple, couple more shots at it as well too. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start with you, Trevor. Is there anyone who you have your eye on as far as, you know, is, is due for a big marathon performance this spring??
2: Uh, I'd say John Mason. you know him quite well. He works hard. Um, he doesn't give a shit about really what anybody else is doing. He just goes out there and grinds away and does the work. So I think he's been in Kenya from what I've seen ever since December. And I think he's still there. And, um, out of anybody, I think John would be the guy to see do really well.
0: How about you, Reed?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I would say John as well. He's just, and I know he's training really well right now. Uh, Rachel cliff, um, is racing a marathon i guess in two weeks or something like that in in nagoya japan um you know obviously a great debut at 228 um and you know from your first marathon to your second marathon sometimes you see people you know once they actually you know feel it out and get and and know what they're getting into and, and know you know how they need to focus their training they can really they can really get after it so um it'll be really cool to see uh how rachel does i think th- i think that race is also march 9th but uh I could be wrong um yeah and then uh yeah i don't, I don't know who, like um um you know blair morgan uh will be running a marathon as well this uh this uh this spring and he made a big jump to 218 and um you know, hopefully he can make another big jump Oh, and, of course, there's Cam racing on the exact same day um, in London. How could we forget about him?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also
1: also someone who's going to be running his second marathon um, after, you know, learning the marathon. I I think, I mean, I don't want to put a limit on Cam, but I wouldn't be surprised if he runs 207 um, in London or, you know, something like that. And, um, yeah, he'll uh, – Trevor and I will actually be racing – I think our race starts about an hour and a half before – um, London. So, yeah, hopefully people will uh, will tune in before somebody crushes the Canadian record again and uh, takes everything. It <laughs> takes all the attention away.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. Maybe we can own the Canadian record for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little out of reach, but <laughs>
1: that, it, it, yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not aiming for that. But um, just, the concept, <laughs> just the concept of someone having the Canadian record for like an hour and a half is uh is is, is pretty interesting (laughs) oh man well you see
2: like all the middle distance women's records going down right now it's like every week there's another one that's being broken so i think that's very true for them but for us maybe not
0: well wouldn't that be great though What, what was it like 43 years uh you know someone held one person held on to the marathon record and then like someone holds on to it for like half an hour Oh, it would be it would be fantastic, but also kinda of bad at the same time.
1: Yeah, I I'd take it. <laughs> I, I, I I could I could live with myself if I if I ran two oh nine and somebody else ran faster an hour and a half later. When, when, wouldn't wouldn't be pissed at all. <laughs> yeah, neither would I.
0: <laughs> all right. Sounds good guys. Thanks a lot of, thanks a lot for being on the show this week.
2: Yeah, that's thanks right. For for
0: well, that wraps up another edition of The Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Trevor and Reed, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us on social media, we're at The Terminal Mile on both Twitter and Instagram. We also have a Facebook page now, so be sure to drop us a like there as well. If you want to listen to us, hey, we are a podcast, then you can do so on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and of course, tracky.ca. Thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.